Morning. How are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Um, I was just thinking as we were worshiping, I just love that song, Sovereign Over Us, if that's the name of it. It is an incredible song. And as I was listening to that song, I just was thinking as, as us in this room right now, I don't know if you feel this or sense this, but I, I sense a real family in this place. Um, I hope you feel that. I, I hope when you come to this, this building um, to worship your Jesus, our Jesus, that you, you feel like you're a family with the, with the people in this room. Now, you may, may not know everybody by name, and you may not know their favorite color or favorite food or, you know, what really it ticks them off, but, but you know them as your brother and sister in Christ. That's, that's who we are. We're a family. We're going to see that um, today. Uh, that's part of God's plan and purpose for us as his church is we're a family. And so if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount. Just a few more weeks to go. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I'll give you a, a moment to turn there. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 11. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have it on the screens here. And uh, I want to encourage you or invite you uh, to, to read it with me. I, I, I uh, preach from the ESV, the English Standard Version. That's what's on the screen. You can read whatever's in your Bible, whatever version. Just, just read it out loud. Let's read God's Word together. Uh, we're going to begin in Matthew 7, verse 7. Jesus is speaking. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So every single one of us at this point, we know Jesus has already talked about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Just in the previous chapter, chapter 6, Jesus, he talked about prayer, but but he actually taught his disciples how to pray. In fact, if you remember, it's the disciples who come to Jesus, and they ask Jesus, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Now think about that for a moment. Of all the things that the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them, like give the blind sight, uh, literally physically raise the dead, Jesus, will you teach us how to raise the dead? That was pretty awesome. Uh, maybe heal the sick. Uh, tell storms to stop being storms. All of those things, they could have said, Jesus, will you teach us how to, how to do that? But they, they asked him, will you teach us how to pray? And, and I don't know, if you're like me, when you read the Bible, sometimes you put yourself you know, in that passage, in that, in that text, in that scene, wherever it is, and, and you wonder, man, what would, it, what would it have been like to see that? What, what would it have been like to to have actually heard that come out of Jesus' mouth. The, the disciples could have asked Jesus anything. Jesus teaches that they could have asked anything. Let me ask you a question. What would you have asked Jesus to teach you if you were with him? If you were physically there with Jesus over 2,000 years ago, what would you have asked Jesus to teach you? 
Maybe you would have asked Jesus, how do I command the wind and the waves to stop? How do I raise the dead? If a sick person or someone with leprosy comes up to me, how can I heal them? What would you have asked Jesus to do or to teach you if you were there? His disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Luke 11, verse 1, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. You have to remember that the disciples were already privy to a lot of things just being around Jesus. They got to see and experience many things just being with Jesus that nobody else did. Things that were supernatural, things that we would consider not of this world. They got to see that on a daily basis. In fact, you only see but a portion of what the disciples saw and experienced in Scripture. The Apostle John says there's not enough that Jesus did or said. There's not enough paper or ink in the world to record all that Jesus did. Think about that. The disciples, were, they got to be around, see, and experience all of these supernatural things. They, they got to hear the, the greatest wisdom that's ever been spoken. And by God's grace, we have that wisdom in our word, or in his word, in our Bibles. Yet they were amazed at how Jesus prayed. They wanted to be able to do it themselves. They wanted to be like Jesus. Which brings up another question. Do you want to be like Jesus? Because I hope you do. I hope that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to be more like Jesus every day of your life. As you read the Bible, you want to be more like Jesus. The disciples, they wanted to be like Jesus. And one of the things that we learn about Jesus as you read through the Gospels is Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus was a man of prayer. And so if you and I, if we want to be more like Jesus, we will be men and women of prayer. We will be. Now, now as I say that, maybe you're thinking, well, oh my gosh, I'm terrified to pray in front of people. You couldn't pay me enough money to pray in front of people. I would never pray out loud. I hardly even pray with my spouse. And if that's you, let me encourage you, because Jesus often prayed alone, by himself. And here's just a few examples in the Gospels where we see this. Matthew 14, verse 23, it's on the screen. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Luke, Luke 5. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would, with, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Mark 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, if you're an early person, you're just like Jesus. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there... He prayed. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night. So if you're night owl, you're just like Jesus. <laughs> Morning or night, you're just like Jesus. And then and in these days, he went out to a mountain or to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. So these are just a few examples that you see. But when Jesus prayed, he often did it alone. He often did it by himself, just him and his heavenly Father. Now, if you remember, we've already seen this from our mouth. Jesus actually says, he encourages us, hey, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't do it out in public where you're just, you want to show off your eloquent words of wisdom. No, go in your room by yourself. Close the door where it's just you and your Father in secret. To be like Jesus 
is not only to pray. It's to pray often. So uh, a question I asked you the last time we talked about prayer, I want to ask you again, how often do you pray? We all, I think, wrestle with this. Different seasons of our lives. How often do you pray? Because Jesus brings up the subject of prayer for the second time in only a couple of chapters in the Sermon on the Mount. So it's obviously important for us. What's your prayer life like? How often do you pray? Do you like to get up early in the morning? Is that your time where you open up God's Word? You spend time with God? You pray? Or are you a night owl when everybody else goes to bed? Maybe that's when you grab your Bible. That's when you grab your prayer list and you start to pray. How often do you pray? What's your prayer life like? Jesus has already taught us how to pray. Now Jesus is encouraging us to pray. Think about that. Jesus is encouraging us to pray. Matthew verse 7, 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. This isn't just about prayer. This is about persistent prayer. Jesus is encouraging every single person in this room to be persistent in prayer. And so if you're the person that takes notes, maybe you want to write this down. Persistent prayer is about being a persistent prayer. Persistent prayer is about being a persistent prayer. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's not a word, Nate. Prayer. And it's not. I may have made it up. um, But for the sake of this sermon, um, I hereby declare prayer is a word. Uh, but, but think about this. In the context of what we're talking about, don't worry about prayer, you know, if that's a real word. Uh, but persistent prayer is about you being a persistent prayer. Someone who prays often. Someone who is persistent in prayer. So let me ask you another question. Are you persistent in prayer? Are you a persistent prayer? Or are you a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants kind of prayer? You know, you pray, but you often just forget not long after. You're not really thinking about it. You wouldn't even know if that prayer was answered because you just kind of prayed it and, and went on with your life. You, you don't even remember. Maybe you throw up Hail Marys and just hope for the best. You wouldn't, you, you, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even recognize if God even answered that prayer. You get in your truck so fast, you pray and you go about your day. And maybe you're the kind of person who's like very steadfast in what the Apostle Paul says in First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Now that's biblical. Pray throughout your day. Pray in all things. All, all day, all night, pray, 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 pray. Like, that is biblical. We should do that. We should always be praying. But if you're praying in the sense that, hey, if God answered your prayer, you, you don't even recognize it. It, it. Fly by the seat of your pants kind of prayer. Maybe that's how you pray. You don't really spend time in the moment, in the Word, praying God's Word back to Him, thinking about what you're actually praying. What God is, is, is promising in His Word to, to us this morning is He will answer persistent prayers. Jesus is promising us that God will answer persistent prayer. I, I've mentioned before, once or twice, a man by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller was a pastor, a preacher, and he oversaw an extremely large orphanage, over 10,000 orphans over the course of his career in the 1800s. George Mueller was a 
He's written several books, and a few of those books are actually books only on him recording his prayers, all of his answered prayers. George Mueller's Answered Prayers. That's the title of one of his books. So he, he took the time to write down his prayers, and he was able to see the faithfulness of God and how he answered those prayers. That has encouraged me to, to write down my own prayers. You know, I, I've mentioned before, maybe I used to clean pools for 10 years. I cleaned pools, and I had a customer, um, Karen and Brett, their kids were about my age, and uh, Karen and Brett are uh, strong Christians. Uh, Karen actually teaches a, a women's Bible study, and uh, often I would go to Karen's house, and she would be there, usually studying for her lesson, and, and so she would come out and say, hey, Nate, uh, how can I pray for you? And I would, you know, tell her very different ways that, that she could pray for me, and, she would say, hold on, let me go get my notebook. And so she'd go back inside, bring out her notebook, and, and she would open up her notebook, and she would write those prayers down word for word, as I told her. And, and I would see in that notebook all of these prayers that were written out, and, and many of them were crossed out. So she would come out, you know, week after week, hey, Nate, you know, uh, uh, she's got a notebook out. What's God doing in your life? Has he answered this prayer? And, and, and I would be able to tell her, and she would cross that prayer out. God has answered that prayer. And so Karen was keeping record of, of the faithfulness of God and how he answered her prayers. Again, this, this encourages me in this season, uh, looking at this text, thinking about uh, George Mueller, thinking about Karen, it encourages me to write down my own prayers, being mindful of what I'm praying. That way, when God moves and acts through my life, through the life of this church, I can cross out those prayers. Because what happens when you do that you rejoice. You rejoice in the Lord because of how faithful He is. Everything happening in the world right now, everything's so crazy and, and, and divided and all of it, but yet the faithfulness of God. We need things to be rejoicing about. Let's rejoice about God being faithful to His people and how He answers our prayers. Let me ask you, how often, how often do you pray for God to fill up that nursery with babies? How often do you pray for baptisms to happen in this church? How often do you pray, COVID-19 or not, how often do you pray for an opportunity to go on a mission trip? Across cultural missions in a country that you've never been to, let alone maybe even never heard of. How often do you pray for an opportunity to go spend time with other believers in the same faith as you in another country? My faith was so strongly encouraged when I got to go to Uganda, Africa. I'm seeing uh, 10, 11, 12, 15, 18-year-old kids who are so strong in their faith. They come up to us, they would come up to me, and they would pray for me. Just at random, it's in the morning, I'm having my coffee, trying to be alone with God, and they would come up, hey, how can I pray for you? It's incredible. Just incre how often do you pray for an opportunity to go do something like that? How often do you pray for every tribe and tongue and nation to hear the gospel? How often do you pray for, for every people group on the planet to, to get to have one of these? Because there's people all across the world who don't have one of these. In fact, they've never even heard that this here exists. How often do you pray for them to get to know the Jesus that you know? Are you a persistent prayer? I want to encourage you to start writing down your own prayers. That way you can see the faithfulness of God 
in your life. And, and you could see the faithfulness of God in this church. What if, what if every single one of us, we were praying for the same things? Oh, heaven would invade this place. I guarantee you that. God's kingdom would come on this earth as it's being done in heaven. If we were praying as a body in one spirit together. And to see prayers crossed off. What a, what a profound thing that, that we get to be a part of. God answering persistent prayers. Because what's going to happen is, is when you start recording your prayers and God's faithfulness and answering those prayers and you cross those prayers out, you're only going to grow in your faith and it's only going to expand your level of trust in God. And that's a good thing for all of us. We want to trust God more. We want to have a stronger faith in Jesus. And seeing God answer prayers, it will do that. And here's the good news for every single person in this room. Every single one of us, this is good news. Everyone who does this, everyone who prays persistent prayers will benefit from this. Verse 8, Jesus says, For everyone, key word there, everyone who asks, receives. And, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So Jesus says, everyone. You're not disqualified for, for your level of education or lack thereof. Whether you've gone through a divorce, you're not disqualified. Whether you're able to give or serve as much as the person sitting next to you, you're not disqualified. Maybe you don't go to as many Sunday school classes as, as the person sitting next to you. Hey, you're not disqualified. Maybe it, this doesn't determine whether your bank account's high or low. You're not disqualified. It's not, it's not measured by how much scripture you can recite. You're not disqualified. Jesus says, Everyone. Now let me be clear, this is not everyone on the planet. This is everyone on the planet who calls God their Father. And if there is one thing that is abundantly clear in the Sermon on the Mount, it's Jesus telling us that God is our Father. In fact, 17 times in the Sermon on the Mount alone, Jesus refers to God as Father. 63 times throughout the entire Gospel of Matthew, Jesus refers to God as Father. Matthew, who is the gospel writer of the Gospel of Matthew, records 63 times what Jesus has made clear. If you are in Christ, God is your Father. That is good news. He chose you. The God of the universe chose you. He adopted you into His family. You're a part of the family of God, not because of, uh, you prayed a certain prayer or, or because you worked really hard. You didn't earn it. You, you could never have earned it. You could never have worked your way to it. You were chosen. Before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. You were set apart and adopted into His family. God did that. You did not do that. God did that. And Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about it in Ephesians 1. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. The greatest news on the planet and the greatest news in the history of all history is that God looks at you without fault in His eyes. Now think about that. Think about your life and the things that you have done, the mistakes that you have made, the things you've said, the sin that 
that you have indulged in, yet God in his word is saying, I, I look at you without fault in my eyes. That's the way God is looking at you. How incredible is that? And he says that this is possible in Christ. So he doesn't look at us without fault because of us. He, he does it through Jesus. He does it through the lens of the gospel. He does it through the cross. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice that we needed. So when God looks at us, He sees us through the lens of the cross. That's where forgiveness is found. That's where salvation comes from, through, through the blood of Jesus. All of your sin, no matter your history, forgiven. Canceled completely, 100% through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His death, through His burial, and through His resurrection. Every single one of us in this room at one point in our lives stood condemned before a holy God. That is the truth that nobody wants to hear. Nobody wants to talk about. There was a point in all of our lives where we, we stood condemned before God. Yet by His grace, a God who is rich in mercy sent His Son who was perfect. Perfect. And because He was perfect, He was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And the Bible says, all who believe in Him, who, who trust Him, who, who say, I, I want to follow Jesus, I want Him to be my Lord and my Savior. You put your faith in Jesus, you follow up that faith uh, through baptism. You are buried with Christ in His death and raised to new life with Him. You're a brand new person, a brand new creation. Old life buried and gone in the sense that, that God doesn't view you through that lens. He views you through resurrection life. Through the blood of Jesus. The payment that was due for your sin and mine was death. And Jesus paid it for you. And He paid it in full. And so, when Paul tells us that God loves us and that He chose us, it, He did it in Christ. And He adopted us into His family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And it was Jesus that made a way for you and me to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. It's Jesus who's, who's the one who's given us the opportunity to be a son and a daughter of our Heavenly Father. Father. It's the Bible that says Jesus is the only way to the Father. There is no other way. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the news. Don't listen to New Age people. There is only one way to the Father. That's through Jesus Christ. So what Jesus is saying to us this morning is that when you go to God your Father in prayer, you be persistent. Because persistent prayer is is about you being a persistent prayer. Not only that, but Jesus says, when you do that, you will receive. You will find. And a door will be open to you. Uh, a movie came out back in 2006. It was called Annapolis. If you're a military person or you, know, you really love our, our Navy, it was about um, the Naval Academy boot camp. And in that movie, they say 50,000 people <clears throat> apply and only 1,200 get accepted. The kind of people that get accepted are usually the kind of people who have the best grades, the best test scores. You know, they're, they're the kind of people that Hollywood likes to project. They come from the right family. Uh, they got the, the best letters of recommendation. 
And, and the actor in the movie, his name is Jake, it's played by the actor James Franco. He doesn't have the, the highest test scores. He, he doesn't have uh, uh, the highest grades. Uh, he, he didn't come from, from the right family. In fact, he was a blue-collar guy, laying pipes kind of job. Uh, but somehow, someway, he has this letter of recommendation from a congressman. And so a naval officer comes to Jake and says, hey, you know, I'm looking at your credentials and all, you know, you, when we put you in this category with all of our other applicants, you just don't measure up. It's almost laughable that you would even apply, yet there's something that I'm just, I'm not certain, I'm, I'm, I have a question. You have this, this letter of recommendation from this congressman. Tell me how that came to be. And Jake, he responds, says, well, I had to go back to him a few times and ask him for the letter. And the naval officer says, well, how many times did you go back? And, and he says, well, I went 34 straight days. I didn't stop bothering him until he gave me the letter. And so this, this least likely candidate got into the Naval Academy because he was persistent. So when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, Jesus not only taught them how to pray, but he encouraged them to pray and to not give up. Pray and not give up. Be persistent. Jesus was so adamant about this, he, he gives two parables uh, to, to kind of illustrate what he's trying to get at. So there's this parable uh, of a friend. He, he goes to his neighbor's house uh, in the middle of the night because he's desperate for a midnight snack. And then there's this uh, persistent widow uh, who's, who's standing in front of a very corrupt and unjust judge. She doesn't, she doesn't stand a chance. And this man, he actually says that he refused. He refused to have anything to do with it. He refused to give her what she was asking. Luke 18, verse 1, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So this judge, this corrupt and unjust judge, he refused. But then all of a sudden he had a change of heart. And he says, look, I don't care about God and I certainly have no respect for this woman. But she just won't stop bothering me. In verse 4 it says, I'm going to give her justice so she won't be beat me down with her continual coming. She won't beat me down with her continual uh, requests. And she won't beat me down with her persistent asking. The picture Jesus is giving us about prayer here is, is the idea of shamelessly coming to God in prayer. And we're not worried about etiquette. We're not, we're not worried about what's proper. We're not worried about what the neighbors in, in the neighborhood are going to think. We're not worried about what time it is. It's in the middle of the night. We're not worried about that. Because clearly these people in these stories, they're desperate. Yet there's no shame. So both this man goes to his neighbor's house in the middle of the night, not the best time, and this woman who's just pounding on the door of this annoying judge until their needs are met, no matter how rude, no matter how improper it may have seemed. And Jesus is saying to you and to me to do the same. Cry out to him, the scriptures say, day and night. Shamelessly ask Him. Shamelessly seek Him. Shamelessly knock. And the Bible says He will answer you and He will do it in a way that you may not imagine, but it says in Luke He'll do it faster. He'll answer your prayers faster than you actually think. He's that good. He's that faithful. Verse 9, Or which one of you, 
If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So that word evil sounds pretty harsh. If you, Jesus is looking at people, crowds of people preaching this sermon. If you then, you who are evil, that's kind of offensive, right? But evil here, it, it may not be what you think. It's not evil like the devil or evil like demons or evil like Hitler or evil like the IRS. It's not evil like them. <laughs> Jesus is more alluding to the fact that you and I are susceptible to sin. We are. We're not perfect human beings. We can strive for it, but if we're all honest with ourselves, we're not perfect. We do fall short. We lie. We steal. We, we covet other things. We lust. We we cheat. We, we manipulate. As human beings, we, we fall short. We can be selfish. We can be prideful. Jesus is saying, look, even though you're susceptible to all of those things, even though you're susceptible to, to what we've learned and read in the Sermon on the Mount, you still know how to give your children good things. Even though you're susceptible to sin, you still know how to give your children good things. You still give them what they need. You still take care of their needs. Jesus says, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Your Father in heaven is perfect. He's never sinned. He's never lied. In fact, Scripture tells us he can't lie. Process that for a moment. So your perfect heavenly Father can give you more and do abundantly more for, for you than you can even do with your children and you're susceptible to sin. You might think, well, that sounds pretty good, Nate. But my life is actually pretty good. You know, I, I pretty much have everything I need. You know, financially I'm set. I have a good working vehicle. I have a good steady job. I have a, a spouse, a, a woman or a man that I love. I have kids and, and you know, we have a house. And, and you know what, we're, we're pretty much good. You know, we're not out there seeking much. We're, we're pretty solid. I don't know if you've been here every week, but as we've studied the Sermon on the Mount, there's a lot of things that I think we all need outside of material things. Maybe you actually, maybe you haven't thought about this, maybe you need forgiveness. Maybe you need some grace in your life, an extra measure of grace from someone. Maybe in the heat of this political season, you just need some peace. We have people in our faith family who have lost loved ones. Maybe you need to be comforted by your heavenly Father. Maybe you need God's help through His power to help you overcome your judgmental spirit. Talked about that. Maybe you need God's power through His Spirit to help you overcome your, your anger problem, your, your lust problem. Uh, maybe you, you look at pornography and uh, I just want to tell you that is sin and you should stop. Maybe you need God's power to help you do that. Jesus is encouraging every single one of us in this room to be persistent in prayer. So maybe you're asking yourself right now, am I persistent in prayer? Am I a persistent prayer? That's a good question to ask. Take inventory of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Am I a persistent 
prayer. Maybe you don't know what to pray for. Let's do some inventory real quick together. When was the last time somebody was baptized in that baptistry? Do you ever pray for baptisms in this church? Are you, are you interested in seeing that? Do you pray for that? Because what happens when somebody's baptized, they're turning from death to life. They're being forgiven of all of their sin and being filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. Do you want to see that? I hope you do. What about the nursery? That nursery looks amazing right now. Do you pray for babies to fill that nursery? Nursing moms in that room, do you pray for that? Do you pray for, for brand new families to come to this church, to become a part of our family? This is not a, a closed invitation. This is an open invitation. Everybody's invited to be a part of this family. Do you pray for new families to come and join us as the family of God? Do you pray for that? Do you think that's worth, worth asking for? Do you, do you think it's worth seeking? Do you think that's a door worth knocking on? What about our youth? Currently our youth now. But what about new youth to come? How amazing is it for a young person a teenager, to be on fire for Jesus, to love Jesus with all of themselves, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. A young person to go out and share the gospel. Do you pray for our youth? Uh, Jesus' brother James, he, he writes a letter in the Bible. He says this, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. What's your prayer life like? Is it about you? Or is it about God's kingdom coming and His will be done on this earth as it's being done in heaven? Are you praying uh, prayers that are scripturally based? Are you praying uh, for your heart to be aligned with God's heart? Are you praying for God's will to be done? Are you praying His word back to Him? Maybe you're praying and you're just not seeing God answer We've, we're going through the Sermon on Mount, and there's, there's so many different ways we all need to improve. Are you praying for God to help you improve your life as a follower of Jesus? Are you praying that? I want to encourage you to spend time in prayer. Be persistent. Write your prayers down. What, what would make it enjoyable for you? For me, I don't journal much, but I got this this uh, journal off Amazon, and it kind of reminds me of maybe what the Apostle Paul wrote in. You know, it's old, it's, you know, really cool looking. I love it. And uh, I journal in this. And I started writing all my prayers in this, and so this has become my prayer journal. And to me, I just, I enjoy it all the more. And so I write my prayers in here, and I'm just, I'm just looking forward to the day when, when God's faithfulness, and I get to cross out those prayers. And so, Maybe go get a journal that you love and a pen that you love. And what would, what would encourage you to write down your prayers, to record your prayers? And then we have this book, Extreme Prayer. We did a series based on this book back in the summer. We still have copies of this book. If you haven't received a copy of this book, let me know at the end of church. I'll give you one for free. He talks about prayer in this book. He even talks about persistent prayer. And so if you need help with your prayer life, this is a, a good book to go to, and it's saturated in God's Word. 
whatever it is you need help from. I want to end our time together by, and this, this has everything to do with persistent prayer. I want to read a couple of verses. I want to take us out of Matthew. And, and if you want to turn in your Bible to, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We are in a crazy season of life right now. A heavy political season. And just a couple of days from now, a few days, uh, there will be a new president-elect. And it is not my job. I don't get paid to tell you who to vote for. Nor would I tell you who I voted for. That's not why I'm here. But I am here to help guide us and lead us through the written Word of God. And I want to read a couple of verses, and you can follow along with me. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to, to what we know as his, his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy is leading a church in a place called Ephesus. And Paul is writing to him, and he's, he's encouraging him. And I want you to hear this. He says, First of all then, no doubt Timothy's reading this letter to, to God's people. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now I want you to think about something here. Paul says, pray for all people. This is all kinds of people. Jews, Gentiles, believers, non-believers, Donald Trump, Joe Biden. Paul says, for kings and all who are in high positions, leaders, dictators, U.S. presidents. And you might think, there's no way I would pray for this man or that man. There's no way I would do that. Well, think about this. When Paul writes this, the leader of the Roman Empire was was a guy named Nero. Nero was a psychopathic madman, and he hated Christians. And he hated them so much that he put them in the Colosseum for sport, for his good pleasure. And they would be slaughtered by lions for the praise and applause of people. He would bring out Christians in the city streets and and behead them for his own enjoyment. Nero had all of Rome burnt to ashes and he blamed it on the Christians, the story goes. He was a madman. And Paul is saying, hey, as the church of Jesus Christ, pray for Nero. Pray pray for Nero. Pray for Donald Trump. Uh, Pray for Joe Biden. Pray whoever is leading our nation that we may live a peaceful and, and dignified life. And Paul says, when we do this, this is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. In other words, it is, it is the will of God for you and me to pray for our nation. It is the will of God for you and me to pray for whoever is elected this coming week. Pray that, that the church of Jesus Christ would continue to press on no matter what happens. I, I can tell you this, there's a lot of talk going on, and, and you know that, and, and uh, all of this uncertainty kind of just looming in the atmosphere, if you will, and, and uh, all of the you know, churches being shut down in, in different states, and, and uh, you know, we're being threatened. Uh, churches in Texas are, are being threatened of, of having to shut their doors. And I want to tell you something. Come and try it, because the church of Jesus Christ will prevail. Now, I don't know if you've read the end of this book, but we actually win. 10,000 years from now, we'll be celebrating a victory. Our God is sovereign. 
Our God is good. Uh, Isaiah said, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high and lifted up. See why that's important is King Uzziah was king over Israel for 52 years. Many people in their, their lifetime, all they knew was King Uzziah. Now, now he's dead. But Isaiah says, yeah, that may be, but, but, but I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Jesus right now is, is high and lifted up. The sovereign God over the universe. Complete control of all things. And maybe some of you, you have anxiety. And maybe you have some fear about what's to come. And, and I think that's real. But Jesus says, hey, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Jesus has already won. And He will come back for us one day. And we will be with Him for eternity. But until that day comes, stay steadfast in your faith, church. And obey God in praying for whoever is elected. That we as the church may live peaceful and dignified lives. And that we would have the courage to continue to share this good news. Let me pray for us. And then we'll worship together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your word is alive. That it is living and it is active and it is working in the world today. Over 2,000 years you are still being talked about. You are still the most popular person on the planet. That hasn't changed. You're still good. You're still loving. You're still full of grace and mercy. You're still kind. You're still compassionate. You're still healing the sick. You're still raising the dead to new life. Your cross is the most beautiful thing this planet has ever seen. And your blood is the salvation for all who would believe. Your sacrifice for us. It's what we need to get to you. And God, you, you have made a way for us to know you. Lord, I pray for our nation. Our God, I pray for these next coming days. Lord, that we as a church would be united in one spirit, in one body. God, that you would help us, that you would speak into us as your people to be who we say we are, to do what we say we do, to live out your word, to obey it. Father, there's a lot of people who are deceived in this world right now. And God, I pray that you would have mercy on them. I pray for people who are, who are against Jesus, that you would remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh that they would receive the love of the Father. And God, I pray for Donald Trump and Joe Biden right now, Lord God, that your will would be done on this earth as it's being done in heaven. Father, I pray that the church would live peaceful and dignified lives. Father, I pray that your church would thrive, that it would grow, that it would expand its borders, that more people would come to know Jesus in the next season of life. Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.